Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. afternoon good evening thank you very much everyone for tuning in to another episode of red fellas where liverpool the mighty liverpool went down to the coast south coast i believe if not who gives a shit weathered a storm and then coasted pardon the pun there was weather warnings but liverpool sent out a title warning and you better believe it people we're in the midst of a title race right now. I have water. I have cups of tea being made. I have hot wings. And I have red fellas. You will not get a better combination on a Sunday evening. I welcome you all. I ask of you all to hit that like button. Subscribe if you haven't. Congratulations to me. Congratulations to you guys. Conroy, Cav, Keith. And all the other magnificent contributors at Football Carnage. We have hit 35k this week. First and foremost, congratulations to you all for that. Um, exactly, exactly. And secondly, people, secondly, people, we have a genuine, a genuine Liverpool title contending team to get behind and support. Conroy, how are you, my friend? Yeah, no, I'm good. Thanks, Chris. Um, you hear me okay? Oh, good. Yeah, no, it was, it, was a, it was one of them today, half four, Sunday afternoon. I think the last time I had, I had a game like this, Keith was, you know, very confident. I think it was looting away 
Keith was like, nah, it's fine. It's not a half 12 kickoff. We'll be fine. We'll get the job done. So a little bit nervous going into it. But, you know, absolutely delighted right now. Um, I think we've said a lot this season. We're going to break it down uh, tonight. But performances has been probably the topic or probably the topical uh, conversation we've had because we've got probably our best running results in a long, long time. But still the performances is the question. But ultimately, we're in January, end of January now, guys. And it's like, as you said, Chris, I don't think you can, you can't really sugarcoat it now. You need to look at the actual situation you're in. And I, we're going to talk about that tonight. But overall, you know, delighted we're going to talk about the game. But in general, I feel like with this team, with the transition that's happened in the summer, I think we'd all agree, probably didn't expect to be where we are at this moment. But again, as we say all the time, circumstances change and you need to go with that. You need to kind of roll with the punches, but also roll with the tide. Is that the right? Run with the tide. If a situation changes, you have to capitalise as well. So I know we're going not to, not to kind of go too far ahead, but I'm doing good. Um, had a good weekend back from the Christmas break. Obviously, that was um, no one really enjoys going back to the work. Straight, I, I like my job, but it's, it's kind of it hits everyone quite hard the first couple of weeks. So this result makes tomorrow a lot better. So yeah, all good. Uh, people in the chat, you already know the house rules. You all, as you guys come in slowly, slowly. Um, what an introduction to open today's podcast. Big up, Chris. Thank you very much. Great win. Hit the likes, people. That's what Grim K says. Ain't nothing grim about Liverpool right now, though, Kev. We are booming. We are flying. 13 senior players, I counted. If you want to count Adrian and Kelleher to that, that's up to you. I wouldn't. But 13 players available. Um, going away to Bournemouth after a uh, and a break has mm. the warning signals of a slip up of a banana skin of all the things that we spoke about last season I talk about Avengers there was a picture I put up go and check out my Twitter if you haven't people of Alison Konate and Virgil just standing there and that's like the Avengers right there this is one of those games Kat, from last season we had to avenge yeah absolutely yeah we've got receipts to check in this season and Bournemouth is one of them um you're right there's a yeah with with injuries sort of adding up 13 I didn't even realize it was that many Jesus that's that's a squad and a couple of subs too but um the thing with Liverpool this season is we've had tough moments and we've come through a lot of adversity so there's always that reason to believe that Liverpool can go on and and get the points Bournemouth are actually in quite good form I know there's been a little bit of a break, um, so they've not played recently, much like ourselves. But they're—I um, can't remember exactly where they are on the table, but they're middle, they're middle of, of the pack, I think, and looking relatively good. So they've got a striker that seems to be in a little bit of form. Um, I know they had injuries at the back, but you're right. It looked like a game, bearing in mind the conditions um, and late on a sort of Sunday kickoff, it could be a banana skin. But you've got to have belief with this team if they've not shown you already this season that they uh, they can come through these things. Um, so I was just looking forward to getting back to watching Liverpool again after a little break. Um, was interested to see how this team would do with some of the absentees. Uh, we'll talk about how they did, but ultimately they come through the test yet again. My God, we've got so many people to get through and talk about. And I, I think you, you, I think I'm going to need all you guys' help. Actually, I'm going to do a poll for Man of the Match, and it's going to be one of the hardest polls I think for a long time. Mike Robin McConnell says, Carnage, you met my good workmate Greg from New Zealand a few weeks ago and you gave him a ride. That shows you what a community man I am. And I do remember Greg from New Zealand. Big up, Greg. Big up yourself. And uh, thank you very much for that. There you go, people. Um, have, how can you ever bet against these Reds, man? Wow. He says, Mac 10, my man of the match. We're going to talk. We're going to talk. We've got so much to talk about. 
um, my volume up. See what I'm saying, people? People, can the rest of the chat let me know if my volume is low? Why is my volume low? I don't know which way to go with the volume. All right, I'll keep trying. Hopefully, is that better or is that less? How am I doing? Sorry, guys, I'm just going to have to get this right. Good. Is that better or is that less, people in the chat? Is that better or is that less? Is that better or is that less? Let me know, let me know. Volume is fine. Is that better or is that less? Volume is fine. You're good now. Okay. Let's try and keep it going then, if that's the case. Uh, better. Your volume is okay. Okay, we're getting positive. Positive. Uh, first super chat of the night goes to Pixelated Pigeon. Comes from Pixelated Pigeon. Jota has never... Jota has that never take me off energy like Mo. So incredibly important to the title race. Big up Grizz and all of Football Carnage for 35k. Thank you so much, Pixelated Pigeon. You have pretty much been there from the start of the journey. So you are considered one of the family. Thank you very much for your support. Thank you very much for the kind comments. And we will talk about Geo Gold, Jota and so many more. So many more. Um, I don't know where to start, Keith. Well, I do know actually where to start. As where we always start. As I said, 13 senior members missing. Uh, sorry, available. Only 13 players available, senior players. And this is the selection that we chose, or Jurgen Klopp chose, I should say. What did you make of it? Expected? Uh, first of all, expected. But secondly, I like the narrative this season has been Klopp 2.0, right? But if we truly think about it, this was like Klopp 3.0. This was the question that everybody's always asked. What would Klopp ever do without Mo Salah? How would Liverpool ever play without Trent Alexander-Arnold? You know, how would um, Liverpool go into games with Soboslav obviously being the man that he is? Or no Andy Robertson? I mean, the players that were missing from this team, plus the players that have left the club this season, to put out an 11 like this was one of the most intriguing uh, squads I have ever seen in terms of the Klopp era. Do you know what I mean? Everything's been so gradual in terms of the changes and, and the players coming in and new blood coming in, et cetera, et cetera. But this really was, pound for pound, if all these players, bar like Van Dijk, Alisson, Gomez, and you could probably say Curtis Jones, only three of these players won the Premier League. Do you know what I mean? I think, uh, or, and all the Champions League, right? Curtis Jones, you could I'd say, was probably a bit plot player in that. I mean, this is genuinely was what would Klopp do without his main stars? So when I saw this team sheet, I was just, it was just pure intrigue at this point because ultimately, you know, while we hear other managers, you know, like Eric Ten Hag talk about he doesn't have his players and the media giving Newcastle and Tottenham the benefit of the doubt because they have injuries. We don't hear that about Jurgen Klopp because we have the best manager in world football today. Do you know what I mean? They used to ask, we used to ask the question, could Klopp do it in his seventh season can Klopp rebuild a team these are the narratives that were popping up from very popular um uh, uh, podcasts and youtube shows and now silence absolute silence because Jurgen Klopp still manages to get the best out of play Eric Ten Hag doesn't get the best out of these lot he doesn't get that win today with this team there's a number of managers that are managing top 10 clubs right now that do not go to Bournemouth today and win 4-0 in the manner that they do with this team. Because the excuse would have been, well, I was missing my biggest creator. I was missing my biggest goal scorer. I was missing my best left back. I was missing my best centre back, which John Matip was this season. I was missing my number one uh, stop or slide uh, in the middle. You know, many managers this season have had all the excuses in the world. But Jurgen Klopp goes 
to Bournemouth. Informed team. They went to Manchester United, beat them. They took points away from Aston Villa, our title rivals at home not too long ago when they drew 2-2. So it wasn't just Bournemouth that we were going into with this 11, the, the, only 13 senior players. It was a Bournemouth team that was in form and took points off for our rivals. And what we achieved today for me was one of the best results and performances, particularly that second half of the season and of the Klopp era. One of the wow. best of the Klopp wow. era. That's how good wow. today wow. was. Okay, we'll, we'll get everyone else's context and views and opinions on that. Um, just to go back to my question, did you like the team? Then? <laughs> you hey, talk about tangents. Sorry, sorry. I did like the team. Do you know what? I, I like the team. I, I looked at this and I thought to myself, you know, that spine that we've got right there, you know, Diogo, John, uh, McAllister, Canate, Virgil, Allison. you know, when you've got a spine like that, anything is possible. So, I liked it so much as what we could put out. I, but I just, I don't know, today I wasn't ner as nervous as I've been before. And I think that Fulham game really grew a lot of confidence in me from what they did at Anfield um, uh, before the winter break. So I was confident. You was indeed. Uh, Evan's in the studio, but I don't think he can read my chat. Give me a wave, Evan, if you're ready to come on. Okay, that's not a wave. That's a thumbs up, but it's okay. Keith's not listening to instructions. Why should anyone else? Um, um but yeah, Evan joins us. Um, it's mini Evan today, it looks like. Um, let's see how he looks like in real life. Oh, there he is. As, where's Evan gone? How do I do this? There's Evan. Hi, Evan. Evan's a bit of a mini uh, Evan. But I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just be mini Evan because I'm, I'm on my phone. I, I couldn't well, get the computer to work. So Well, this, you're this here we and got. it's good. The main thing is you're here. And you may be mini Evan, but we're not mighty. We're not mini Liverpool. We were mighty Liverpool today. We're just getting everyone's thoughts on the, on the game, on the situation, on the lineup. And Keith is suggesting it's one of the most important or one of the best wins that he can remember in a long time. Giving the context of only 13 players available the break, going to an informed Bournemouth. Yes, they were missing a few, but we were missing a whole heap of players. Giving into all that hype and context and what, how it mattered and what it meant. How did you feel after today's dominating, dominating win? I feel good. Um, it's, it's a testament to our depth. These, these things that we used to consider the kryptonite of a great Klopp team, AFCON, injuries, uh, just a, a general lack of depth in the squad. Now, all of a sudden, we just seem to have a plethora of options almost anywhere. We we have flexible players who are proficient in multiple roles and positions, like Joe Gomez. Um, we have, uh, you know, just an entire young core of midfielders all vying and competing for game time so that when, you know, a Silva Sly is injured or, you know, Trent's not match fit. You know, we, we have guys who can step into the midfield and not look completely like fish out of water. Um, and we even now have this newfound luxury of let's just recall a ton of wonder kids from loan and just throw them right into the first team. I know Bradley was uh, retained this year, but, you know, he, he still fits that owen beck sort of profile mold in the sense that we're, we're now calling on you because we need you and we trust you so we we have all this sort of mental scarring from injuries in the past and the lack of depth in the past and that's totally understandable but it's keen i'm keen to emphasize that it is the past you know we are living in a world where now there's more depth than we perhaps know what to do with 
the academy is now in a place where they're producing useful options that we can call upon uh, in times of need. So parking the, the manner in which we won the game for a second, Grizz, the, the team that we were able to put out, the people we were able to call upon specifically today to make notable contributions, that is what fills me with pride as much as three points. I'm sorry, but your chat was making me tuck in. I mean, that is some great chat from all of you guys. Opening statement from Conroy, Keith, Cav and Conroy. I salute you all. You guys have got me in the mood. I want to talk Liverpool. I'm talking Liverpool. I've got chicken wings. I've got my mates with me. Hit the likes with 300 of you guys in here. But nobody nobody else is allowed to eat. Only Grizz. Can you no, know? no, no, no. no. You're it's, it, it's a rule. It's you're a rule. You're allowed to eat. You're allowed to eat. But, but, okay. No, you're not. Fuck you, mate. You're not allowed to eat. Um, Conroy, what kind of start did you anticipate? Because I anticipated the exact start we got. Obviously, a few changes. Obviously, Bournemouth going to be up for it at home. They're a confident team. As I said, they're missing a few, but we're missing a whole heap. I anticipated the start that we got. Four corners in the opening seven minutes. None come to any fruition. No real danger, but the pressure and the intensity was there. We were a little bit sloppy in that 10-15 minutes. Was that the kind of start you anticipated? Well, I think, to be fair, if you're, if you're looking at um, the president this season, there has been... We've started slowing a lot of games, so I don't think it should be a surprise to anyone that today was the same and probably quite flat attacking-wise as well. But again, th there was a lack of rhythm, you would say, in, in the final third in the first half. But again, I'm not so worried about that this season. We've mentioned the way we've managed to set play in the second half or especially the, the final quarter of the game really, really put pressure on teams and get results. So wasn't so surprised at that. I did feel we could have maybe grew into it halfway through the second half, but it, it did kind of feel that a lot of kind of huffing and puffing in the first half, like especially Diaz and Nunez trying to make stuff happen, but more individual brilliance or maybe something like that from one player instead of any great link up in the final third. But do you know what? I'm quite confident this season. I don't really get too worried when it is like that half time. So that I wasn't too shocked by that, to be honest, Grizz. Um, I would say this, so I think you've got to give Bournemouth just a little bit more credit in the sense of the run of form. Um, when this guy started, they started very poor. I don't think they got a win in their first, or they had a, it was like one win in the first 10. I can't remember exactly. Um, a lot of people were saying, shouldn't have sat Gary O'Neill. I think I was one of them as well, because you see what Gary O'Neill's done at Wolves. But the we talk about... Um, allowing our youngsters to come to fruition. Well, his uh, tactics, uh, Bournemouth's manager, you can really see it in the players. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, they were the behind us, um, the best, they were in the, the best run in the Premier League. I think they were, was it five unbeaten? Or they were very close to us when it came, come, came to runs into this game. So I wasn't surprised because Bournemouth are in a good place right now for them to start quickly. Um, so again, not a shock the way the game started, but... I don't know if you all agree, at the moment in time, it's probably the most confident I've been for a long time defensively, especially with Kanati and Van Dyke right now. Van Dyke's obviously where he is at the moment. I do laugh, though, because it's like social media is mad. He makes one mistake against Fulham, and it's like, this guy's horrendous. But it's like, see if you had the amount of cameras you had when we talk about the so-called goat centre-backs. It's like they make one mistake, and it's, oh, that's him at the conversation. Absolute nonsense, the pressure they put on Van Dyke and it's like that not no other top centre backs in the past made mistakes in games. Like it's just it's absolute nonsense. He has been outstanding this season. I know Keith's already went on about that, but he has. And I really do think I just I know we're going to speak about it to the end, but I do think Kinati does have this rare thing at the moment where 
it's like he's underrated by every other like fan base or just football pundits in general. But if you're watching the game as a fan, this kid is like defensively, I think he's right up there. Secondly, I think passing today is something that I think unfairly being criticised against him. Like, I'm not saying he's not uh, Berezi, but he's been decent enough on the ball. But today, I think first half, he showed a lot of that, a lot of good examples of how his passing has improved and how he's improving as a player. So I think just to not go too left field with that, but in general, I think I feel really confident in our defence. And I don't know if it reminds you guys right now of the the actual the season before the title winning season, just when there was just that, that when Van Dyke originally came in, there just seems to be that confidence that we can grind out games. Um, and I'm just I'm quite happy with the team as a whole from that standpoint right now, to be honest. But yeah, not surprised with first half. I'm not going to sugar sugarcoat it, Grizz. It wasn't the most exciting, mate. I was doing dishes when I was watching the game today, so thankfully I, I got something done. Thank God it, we didn't go go behind. Otherwise, you would have been smashing. Something. Smashed so, a few plates, yeah. Exactly. PID's in the building. He says, "Where's our Red Army people? Smash the likes for the Red Fellas. Come on, people. Coming up to three hundred twenty of you guys in here. Let's get those likes up, please. ASAP, ASAP, ASAP. We've got so much to get tucked into. Cav, mm. Conroy rem reminds us of this first Virgil Van Dyke season. But do you remember when we used to speak about peak Liverpool working out ways to win games of football? Yeah. That's what I felt today. I kind of anticipated, like a few, a lot of my mates, quite a few of my mates went to the game today, and they were speaking about the horrendous weather conditions. I know it's for both teams, right? Mm. There's not a fucking excuse. We won four nil, so nobody can say, "Oh, shut up about it." No, we're a footballing team. But what we showed, Cav, in the second half, and we're going to get onto it without going into the details of the. But in terms of gameplay, we realised it's quite difficult. Sometimes there's no problem with going long if it's wind assisted. Sometimes mm. keep the ball. I thought the way we, I thought we the way we weathered the storm again. Pardon the pun in the first half. I knew we we're gonna come strong in the second half. I th and I thought the key part of that was the way McAllister and Jones kept working their midfielders and kept them chasing the ball without, as Conroy says, without creating many chances or dangerous situations. You could see. Um, Bournemouth chasing, chasing, and knew it's going to take its toll. Yeah, and you know what? If you're going to go on to win the major honours, that's a key thing that you need to have is resilience when you are under the uh, cosh a little bit, and also finding a way to win games because every game is different in its own right. You know, every stadium, crowd, you know, weather conditions, personnel on the pitch is going to be different, and it's not always going to go how you set out for it to you know you can come up with tactics and game plans and predict what the opposition is going to do and try and nullify their threats whilst you know um advancing on your own but it's never going to work out that way so the best sides are the ones that just figure out how they get back to the way they want to play and, and Liverpool have done that time and time again this season the great thing is it's not just getting back to the way we want to play but getting back to numerous ways we want to play getting back to the right way of playing in that given moment to go on and win in the first half I just thought we started slow, which we've seen quite often this season. But I think sometimes as Liverpool fans, because we see how great we are at times and how fluid we are at times and how much control we have in games, we control tempo, we control possession, you know, and often we control the entire proceedings. So when a team finds themselves with men and numbers in our, uh, in our third, in our defensive third, and in our 18-yard box, we sometimes panic. And we sometimes, not as a team, but I think as fans, uh, and apologies if I'm speaking for somebody and they don't think this way, but 
we think because they have numbers in our box that that's dangerous or that that team's much better than we are or what have you. I felt like that was the case today. Bournemouth had men in the box and they looked like they were winning a few challenges. They didn't create clear-cut chances. They were just there, you know, and, and it felt like Liverpool were playing terribly. They wasn't. They just accepted that Bournemouth started off quick, was pressing up the pitch. They got a little bit of joy. Again, it's about just being defensively solid, not panicking, and just coming through that moment, knowing that you will get your foothold in the game. So as good as I think Bournemouth's press was in the beginning, and at times I thought that we were a little bit sloppy with our passing and not choosing the right options. I think Klopp said in his post-match, in the first half especially, we opted to go long when we perhaps should have kept it on the ground and played, and then vice versa. You know, we played when perhaps we should have just cleared our lines. And, and that invited pressure and that encouraged the crowd and that encouraged Bournemouth. They still didn't create clear-cut chances. There was one that went across the box, which no one was on the end of. They wasn't testing Alisson particularly, you know. So it's okay to withstand that pressure as long as you're not constantly giving away shots on your goal. So I'm okay with that now. And like you say, Liverpool usually play, you know, first halves are a bit of a myth for Liverpool at the minute. We tend to start playing in the second half. Uh, and whether that's down to changes, tactical switches, whatever it is, um, we seem to be better as the game goes on. So although the first half wasn't great, you kind of accept it for what it is now. We've seen it so often this season. But like you highlighted two players, I'd highlight just one of them in particular in the first half. I felt like McAllister in the midfield carried the midfield and I felt like Jota up front carried the forwards. You know, not people weren't playing particularly well. I think Elliot in particular in the first half wasn't playing great. But at least we had like at the spine of the team still playing well. Defensively, we were sad, but you had McAllister in the centre, you had Jota in the centre, and those two in particular were playing quite well, making the right decisions, holding the ball, playing it when they needed to, you know, taking uh, more risks in the final further than they needed to. And that just kind of helped to sort of sustain um, a little bit of um, foothold in the game. And um, I just thought it was really key whilst everybody else was struggling to find their feet in the game, we still had players step up and sort of carry the rest of their team until we get to the second half where everybody tends to improve. So it's important because people are stepping up in this period. We talk about absentees, but there were players there in difficult moments, especially in that first half, that stepped up, you know, and, and really supported the team. And you, you talk about McAllister Jones, certainly in the second half, but McAllister and Jotter in that first half for me, um, I thought did that. Fair enough, fair enough. And that's probably our first base first base where we start in terms of the individual chat and you mentioned McAllister I'm sure a lot of people want to speak about it and I like the way you spoke about sort of I agree with you whenever you're in this situation we're expecting the next set of big dogs to stand up when you have some missing and right through the spine um, and I noticed or we noticed, we all noticed, I was, I'm not the only footballing genius here. I, I, I think you're all footballing geniuses, hence why you're on my show. Um, but Keith, I noticed, or we noticed, we saw Jota was given that central role in terms of being the striker. Luis Diaz started on the right, and then Darwin Nunes started on the left. How did you think they functioned and worked their, work the understanding and, 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 and telepathic understanding and working their way into the game. And was it vital that Jota played that central role in terms of being the most experienced, in terms of Salah not being there, so he needs to be vital, just his intelligence, just his aura. He doesn't mm. really have... I mean, he wasn't having a great game touch-wise in the first half, and mm. we're going to get into his goals. And then McAllister, and then Virgil and Canate. Cavs spot on. That spine 
really just held it together, didn't it, in the first half. We won't be moved. We won't make any fuck-ups. We won't be moved. Watch us grow in the second half when we've got you where we want. I think uh, it's, it's, it's all great points. Um, just touching on the front three, I thought the first half, I'm not too sure. It, I felt like there were a, a pass or a decision or a runaway from making the right moment count if that makes sense i thought at times things bobbled around a little bit i thought diaz tried hard i mean there was one moment actually uh, someone's got to get a clip of it where he's in the corner flag um left hand side and he's got like three defenders around him and he just flicks the ball like in this most outrageous way over the defender and he just so you know diaz was really he was he was proper try harding but he just the final decision just let him down what I noticed was, because um, obviously, as I said, uh, credit to Bournemouth. Bournemouth pressed high in that first half. Like, they were willing to risk bodies in that attacking third to try and unsettle Van Dijk and Konate. You know, they were physical. They went in some nasty challenges, some very nasty, uh, some strong challenges, if you will. And I'm sure there'll be one that we'll discuss in particular. Um, and, and Bournemouth wanted to give it physically. Uh, you know, that, 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 was, that was obvious um, in that match. What I liked the most, but though, was the fact that after the, I say the twenty-minute mark, I felt like we started to, to grow into the game a little bit more. So Diaz, McAllister started finding space, where all of a sudden they were looking ahead and they had four men in front of them, and it was just that final pass that just didn't quite work out. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of like they they were tenacious to deal with the initial issues, and then kind of took it and grew in that game. And I actually think that Jurgen Klopp's changes. Uh, in 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 the, in the second half were pivotal because all of a sudden he brings Dia he brings Nunes slightly more central and that allows Liverpool to be a little bit more physical in the center where I think Bournemouth were being the most physical in that game. I actually thought Nunes on the left was a bit wasted in that first half. If I'm honest, um, didn't really feel like he was able to really get into the game. Of course, Jota was 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 bouncing around and stuff, but sometimes the ball doesn't really stick to him. Uh, and Diaz again. They were, so they were all trying hard in that first half, but 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 to no avail. So credit to Jurgen Klopp what he did in that first half by changing that around, realizing that actually maybe this isn't working as well as it should do. And I actually think that Jurgen Klopp's changes um, had a massive impact um, uh, in that second half. And just wanted to touch for me, I love Alexis McAllister. Jurgen Klopp, I was wrong. I'm sorry again. Another apology because there's plenty of them uh, in my book. You know. Uh, he he reminds me of a lot of what, what's happening with Endo at the moment. I, I cannot believe it, actually. It just dawned on me. We were talking all season last season about having a six, and now we have two sixes who, in my opinion, are up there with the best in the league. Endo and McAllister do, do things so well is their timing. They have clocked the timing. It took them a while, and we used to criticise them about it because of the Let's see, the Premier League is a fast league. Everyone knows it. Transitions are quick. Teams are not scared to throw four or five men at you uh, in counter-attacks in the Premier League, whether you're playing Manchester City or whether you're playing uh, Luton, right? They're, they're up for it. But what McAllister and Endo as well have started to figure out in this team is they've started to get the timing of their tackles right. And because they're so good on the ball and progressing the ball once they've got it, it's not a case no more where our six is a recycler of the ball, pass it left, pass it right, pass it back to the keeper, this, that, and the other. No, no, no. When McAllister wins the ball or when Endo wins the ball, their first point is, all right, how am I breaking the lines? And they're so good at that because all of a sudden, Liverpool are got uh, from being countered attack uh, with, with the, the opposition committing to all of a sudden, Liverpool are, are in the transition of their own. So the importance of them finding their timing has taken this Liverpool team... <laughs> 
to another level. Uh, Evan, it's 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 your turn to to eulogise on McAllister. Um, Keith's very humbly accepted defeat in terms of you know this number six he wanted and Endo and McAllister not being the answer. Um, at what point do we consider it to be a success? Success, um, and and what did and is Jurgen Klopp? Is the vision of Jurgen Klopp and Pep Linders way ahead of us in terms of what he wants, how they want their number six to play in amongst the structure uh, that we're seeing now? Because it's, con it's, it's very unconventional in terms of this modern day number six, how McAllister plays it. But we kind of suspected it, and we've had this conversation before, haven't we, lads, where we've said Jurgen Klopp wants his number six to be different, guys. And I think... Tiago was supposed to be this McAllister when we bought him in the first place. But I think whether it's a season or too late, are we seeing the fruits of that uh, vision that Pep and him had a couple of seasons ago? I think so. Um, I, I think Alistair and Ando have exceeded expectations. Um, and I, let me... Let me divert slightly. I, I think I, I was guilty of this as well. Let me also add a disclaimer. I think over the summer, we were all trying to think of a DM or a six that could come in and just put out any fire, stop any transition, put out any fire. And in, in our heads, we're like, okay, well, that requires a superhuman uh, physical skill set that requires him to be this tall so he can win any aerial battle. But I think if you're if you're a world class tactician, let's be honest, pretty much any manager at this level of the game is a world class tactician. The idea isn't to create some sort of demigod six or try to sign one for two hundred million pounds or whatever. The idea is to give whoever's in that role less fires to put out. It, the idea is to create a role that flatters what they're good at, as opposed mm -hmm. to trying to turn Alexis McAllister into, into the Moises Caicedo mold, into um, whatever mold you want to call that. So I, I think now we have a, a sixth role in the system where it's more about technical attributes, in my opinion. It's, it's more about press resistance. It's more about what can you do in terms of buildup? What can you do in terms of helping us get into the final third? It's just as much as it's, it's, it's great when a player sticks a leg in and stops the transition. And don't get me wrong, you need to be able to do that to play in any midfield. But yeah. I think, and I, I felt this recently, my ideas of what Liverpool's six should be are no longer in the framework of how shit we were last year, if, if that makes sense. I'm now, I'm now thinking of a six for Liverpool that complements what we're already good at rather than tries to solve every single issue of last season. Because solving every single issue of last season was never going to come down to one position or one signing. It was going to be everybody playing up a level. And you can see all these guys, you know, Joe Gomez playing up a level, Van Dyke playing up multiple levels. Uh, you know, you know, we were down to sell half the team six months, you know, six, six to eight months ago. So, you know, it, it's, it's never just about the the demigod six signing if, if if they're available and you can buy one and you're liverpool you have a crap ton of money go for it and liverpool did they tried they tried yeah. but then klopp was just like well 
you know, I, I have a much better chance of improving this team if I just reshape what it means to be a six in this system rather than, you know, sewing Endo and McAllister together in an attempt to make them Moises Caicedo. So uh, I, I, think, I think everyone's had not only their opinions changed on the players themselves, but rather their opinions changed on the role and what it means. And I think uh, that, that is the most important. Um, Conroy, it's time to speak about the first bit of liquid football, which ends up being the goal in the 50th minute. And I really enjoyed this goal, Conroy. I really enjoyed it. Like, we've scored stunning goals, and the, we always watch stunning goals. And, and the reason why I liked it, Conroy, is because the way the movement, the control, the poise, everything you would expect of a team that's challenging for the title to, to show at some stage in a game against a lower level opposition away from home after, you know, weathering the storm, like we said, there's going to be a phase of play where it comes off and you've got to capitalise. And that was that phase of play. Like you spoke on, Konate's distribution isn't as bad as people make out. A lot of coaches are trying to focus on Konate having the most of the ball. Well, they've got a surprise coming to them because Konate is getting better and better. He pings, I'd like to say, a ball out to Curtis Jones. We've waxed lyrical about Curtis Jones quite a bit. But I think that was one of the most, apart from that turn he'd done against Arsenal, was it? Or the other day, <clears> where he'd done that, Anfield, that turn at Anfield. I so enjoyed this, Conroy. I was just like, I can't make the same noise that I made because, you know, people are going to think, what's going on? Have they, have they tuned, have they clipped that, you know, that stupid video? You know, that's that, that video. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I know which one you, you know Hey, you've got a webcam on, Grease. You don't want to be mistaken for some, doing something else. You're right. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> well, that move, he clicks it on his chest, right? Almost lets it roll down. It's slow motion because that's what great players do. His pass is slow motion to Jota. We talk about Jota's instinctive skills and we're going to speak about Jota's instinctive eye for gold. But his instinctive eye for a pass is also underrated. And then it comes down to the instinctive nature of a Darwin Nunes finish. To me, that was a lot of poetry. A lot of poetry. Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a brilliant goal. I think Kinati's pass, I think uh, Jones, I, I still... Um, he can still be criticised at times. Of I think one of Jones's biggest criticisms is he overthinks moments or he maybe doesn't make the right decision, holds onto the ball too long. This is a prime example where off the chest, on the half volley, straight away pass, plays it to Jota. So that shows his improvement as well. It's a good example of that. Jota, just because I think he's so direct, Jota is always looking um, to find the best way and the easiest way to score. It's not all about, sorry if you can see my cat scratching or post next to me, so apologies if that's the background noise, if anyone can hear that. But Jota's always looking for the most efficient or effective way. I think at times that's why he frustrates people as well. Sometimes, at the moment, he's been quite good technically, but sometimes when he drops into that number eight position or number 10 to get the ball to link between the forwards and the midfield, sometimes he can be a bit, you know, maybe have not the greatest touch because I think he's always trying to turn and, and get into the fence so be so direct. But I think that was a, a fantastic example of it. It's a, the way is perfect and it allows uh, Nunes to confidently just arrive to the ball and pass it in the corner. Um, I would say it's probably the most surprising finish I've ever seen by Darwin. 
to be honest, because really? usually Ezio will hit it as hard as he can or he'll do that. Let's not chain or tune to say, oh my God, this guy's suddenly a clinical, amazing finisher, because let's just calm down. We do this all the time. But it is a very good finish. Um, and if he doesn't hit it first time, to be fair, Neto's actually spread himself quite well. So he's actually hit it at the exact point where Neto can't reach it. So I think it's, it's an excellent finish. And one touch pass, one touch finish. Um, and it really is something that's as you said, breaks down these teams with just that that little bit of class. It's just a, a, a level above Bournemouth, who again, to be fair, they've been playing very well. They have been playing well, but that's the difference. Um, but I have to say, the way Curtis Jones takes it down with his chest and lays it off the Jota, that's really important that he does that so quickly. So I thought that was it was an excellent moment. But there's something I was going to add as well, and I never said this last two weeks ago. Right now, we always talk about Jota's comparisons, finishing-wise. I completely get it. But do you know who he reminds me of when it's like passing? And I don't just mean this. I've been saying this for a few weeks, like when it was someone in the chat two weeks ago against Arsenal City drops into that kind of eight position to get the ball and just trying first-time passes. It doesn't always look the prettiest. It does remind me a bit of Thomas Muller. If you ever watch Thomas Muller when he's playing, it's sometimes about the past, oh, like the first that. time past. Oh, it's not. Like it's not always look the prettiest. But Tom Thomas Muller is probably one of the most underrated as well. For like, if you look at Thomas Muller's stats for assists, I think he's got more than Cristiano Ronaldo. Like it's crazy. But that's what I mean. I'm not saying he's exactly the same player, but it's not always the prettiest. But it's very effective, and I think. Jota reminds me of Thomas Miller at times with, with that sort of play. So, yeah, I meant to say that two weeks ago, so I just remembered uh, the other, other so days. So. Always, it's always good to have notes and uh, ready. Uh, I actually like that. I actually quite like that comparison. Um, Sorry, Chris. On that goal before we, you go on. Yeah, I do. I do, because it surprised me, actually. And, and to be fair, Nunes, so the issue was Nunes' movement. So lately, he's been when he's been off form, particularly when he wasn't scoring, he was getting caught offside a few times. But my point with Nunes has always been, I think he is a world-class, uh, uh, his movement is world-class. And it's kind of been interesting. I've seen a few detractors saying, you know, Nunes is always offside or Nunes doesn't move very well. Nunes's movement, from when Jones gets that ball and where Darwin Nunes is initially placed to where he is when Jota plays that pass is elite. You do not understand to be onside and to be in a position where nobody is around him. He's basically in between two defenders. The centre-backs are there, but none of them... But by the time Nunes takes that strike, no one's around him. That, for me, is elite movement of the highest order and something that Darwin Nunes has in his locker. And when he's confident and when he's up for it, he runs that line better than any forward in world... As just as good as any uh, uh, forward in world football. So I just wanted to give a shout-out to that as well because I thought his movement for that goal was elite. And to stay on side for the Jota pass as well. And to be around, not around... As I said, go watch it back. See where he starts when Jones plays initial pass. See where he is by the time Jota plays that pass. Brilliant movement. Uh, before we get Cavs and and, and <clears throat> the rest's opinion on maybe that goal and obviously the very next goal, um, Super Chat AGD says, Hello, my friends. Chris, hope you listen to your friend Saeed who says you don't know anything and that Nunez is shit. Let them carry on talking and speaking and Nunez this and Nunez that. I believe Nunez is the only player, only forward in the Premier League to get double assists, double digit assists and double digit goals. Mm -hmm. Not bad flop, I'll take that. We carry on, we keep it moving. Um, but yeah, Cav, we take the lead and, you know, it's what you have to take. Uh, it's what you have to do. It's it's the perfect start to the second half. After the first half, 
it's one of those ones again what we discussed working out ways to win games and i think we worked out um, and i think jürgen klopp the subtle changes now where are you with these changes in terms of the strikers i thought this i thought they'd rotate more than they did in fact they did quite a bit but i thought without mo and this sounds weird but without mo I expected more fluidity and more rotation because all three of them can play in all three positions, if you know what I mean. Um, was you happy by now, especially in this, the way we linked up for the second goal as well, that you could see something? Because we're going to need them in the next mm. three, four weeks, possibly longer, depending on Mo's injury as well. And where are you again? Remind us if you, I'm sorry if you've already told us, but where are you in this debate with, with the Jota and the Nunes coming off the left? Who do you prefer? Or do you like the way they rotate? Ah, do you know what? You could you could carry this through to the midfield as well. It's so difficult, I think, for any fan to really be cemented in their argument for a particular uh, front three and where each of them play because it seems like certain players start games and then the players that come on do better. It seems like players in the second half improve. It seems like a little Nunes one minute doesn't look particularly good in as a centre-forward. You move him onto the left in the second half, he's suddenly great. You start him on the left doesn't do particularly well. Move him centre forward, he does great. You know, Jota up front was he was doing well in the first half, but then gets his goals when he's out on the right. You know, Diaz, I was excited to see him on the right, but it didn't particularly work in this game. It has done before. So I don't think you can really commit to any kind of lineup at the minute. The great thing is is that we have the option of moving them around. You know, so and we spoke about this on the Redfellas last time out is that we don't have to change personnel to change the way that the game's going or how we build up. You know, you've got, we've seen it in the second half by moving Jota onto the onto the right, uh, Diaz onto the left, Nunes up front. You've made no tactical changes. You've not used any of your five subs, but suddenly you've changed how you're approaching that offensive play. You've given the opposition something to think about. They've now, you know, the centre-backs has got a different um, forward in to think about in Nunes than they perhaps did before with Jota. You know, they've not got Diaz on the right. And they've now got Jota on the right, who's so much more intelligent at playing as an inside forward. You know, they've got Diaz on the left, who's looking to to go by you and, and cut in, whereas Nunes, uh, he was doing that to an extent. They're, they're quite similar in that respect. But um, yeah, it's all these changes that can happen. And that's what's so great. We spoke at the start of the season about how good our forward line is and how many options we've got and that we've got the numbers. But actually what we have is players that can play multiple positions. So like I say, if it's not going right for you, how you set out from the off, you can change it just by switching some players around. And that's great to see. The midfield offers the same thing, you know, with personnel and players as well. So, um, I, I, you know, you will go into the next game and I'll be like, pick any of them because they'll probably not start well and then the second half will improve. And if we don't, the guys that come on are back to, to improve the side and we'll find a way of scoring. So... I don't know what the cemented front three is, but that's a, that's not a bad thing at all at this stage. Um, just credit to the players. You've got to, you've got to have some kind of intelligence and ability to be able to play multiple positions like that. So um, yeah, I, I'd, in a roundabout way, Chris, I don't know where I'm at with, with the forward line to be honest with you. But they're getting the job done. Credit clock, credit yeah. clock for just recognizing when to change it. You know, he did it at half time today. You know, that's early enough to make, to see sort of things come to fruition. And um, more often than not, he gets it right, you know, so credit him for it as well. Guys, 15 away now from 200 likes. That's quite good. I love that algorithm. We're over 400, so 50%. We'll take that. We'll take that. Someone who I think's got better than 50% conversion rate. I don't know the maths, Evan. 
stats. I don't know. I don't think you've got the facilities to check it right now. I think you're on a bus, uh, maybe on the way to Arizona or something um, right now. So maybe what's, you have... What's in Arizona for me? I don't know. It's just a random <laughs> thought that came into my head. Arizona, bus, you mm. sitting there. Um, but the second goal comes from... Well, we make the substitutions at minute 66. Harvey Elliott and Diaz come off. I think at this stage, the, the biggest threat to Liverpool would have been, in my opinion, swirling corners and set pieces because the wind was really picking up and they were trying to put lots of crosses in. And I think he increases. One of the reasons the substitution is made is to increase the average height of the team. Gakpo and uh, Gravenberch come on um, and the two, two of the shorter players, Diaz and Elliott, come off. So I think that's more the game plan as opposed to sort of going for another goal. But inadvertently, make or whatever the case may be, it does bring us another goal. And like Cav says, the substitutions, every time they come on, it's like they're so in tune with what's going on. It's like they've been watching the game, students of the game. And I believe Gakpo is a true student of the game. He comes on and has absolutely no issues with the pace of the game, with the, with the intensity. He plays a beautiful pass out to... After Nunes battered the centre half without doing much, it just roughs him up. Um, Gakpo plays that pass. And Jota's finish is Jota's finish. Like, that's what he does. Evan, I loved it again. Another goal that I absolutely loved. It's yeah, it, it's, it's, it's weird. Football is such a strange sport sometimes. It, the, the goal reminded me a bit of some of the goals we scored against Newcastle at home in the Cup. Um, just, just making two or three good decisions in a row in, in the final third. And all of a sudden, it's just like, well, why can't you score eight goals a game? You know, what I mean, that that that, that 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 was that was so so simple. Our, our first two goals in their execution, it was just okay. We have the ball in the half space. Boom, 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 goal. And you know, it's it's in it, both are great finishes. Uh, Nunez's first, and then Jota's first. Um, but it's just it just shows you how simple the sport can be, and yet how hard it is to play simply just to make two or three good final third decisions in a row. Um, and when, when you're playing at a level where pretty much everybody is just ridiculously skilled, uh, no matter the team, it really does come down to decision-making. That, that is what separates the, the, the good players from the great. And we have a lot of great players. We, we, we really do. Um, I tweeted this out today, Diogo Jota, other attackers of yesterday and today, they've been more creative, more physically imposing, more available, more this, more that, just in terms of how they impact a game. But I think if we're talking just the isolated action of converting chances, Diogo Jota is as good a finisher as I think I've seen. Right peg, left peg, in the air. Like, I, I'm just struggling to think of a player in Liverpool's history, barring maybe Robbie Fowler, that I would want the ball falling to in the 90th minute of a European final, other than Diogo Jota, because he he's Ooh. earned that he's earned that sort of respect from us, and 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 his 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 ambidextrous nature um, and the fact that he's a threat in the air makes me think that well I don't care how the ball falls to him or or where you know just as long as it's within 18 yards I want it falling to that guy. Um, 
And again, football is a strange sport because he recently just went like a year without scoring last season. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, in, injuries didn't help that. That's obviously a stat uh, inflated by his injury record. But I'm just so glad that we have these sorts of options. And another thing I want to point out about our second goal, that is yet another valuable goal contribution we got coming off the bench. That's a fantastic weighted ball um, from uh, Cody Gakpo. T- tells Jota exactly what to do with it. Again, go back to the Burkham quote, the best type of pass is the one that tells the player who receives it what to do. And Diogo Jota obviously knows what to do, whether the pass is good or not, but it helps when the pass is good. And um, the Athletic ran some sort of metric where they studied how what sort of contributions Premier League teams are getting off of the bench in terms of goal contributions and expected points and all this sort of stuff. We are ahead of second place in that table by a mile, by, by, by like a country mile. And it goes back to what you initially asked me about, Grizz, how I felt about the lineup and the manner in which we won. It's kind of the same about this goal. We now have these options off the bench where it's like, oh, well, you know, mini injury crisis, let's rest Diaz, let's get Elliot off. And then boom, within, you know, within 10 minutes, Gakpo um, plays, I think, the, the pass of the match. Uh, it, it's a simple pass, you know, it's a 10 yard, 10 yard pass. But the weight was perfect, and it gave the defender no chance to close down the shot. Yeah, look, if that finish was so Jota, Conroy, the third goal was, I think I got ahead of myself with the first finish, because the second goal is Diogo Jota in many people's eyes, right? So Nunes creates something out of nothing that gets the ball on the left, Defenders are shitting themselves from Nunes right now because they're tiring and he's a stallion. The guy's energy levels and Jota's energy levels. Like, this is where all of the rotation, all of the minutes that have been shared, all of the, you know, games that have been missed, now they're coming to fruition. Or they should be. Darwin Nunes is on smoke by now and Diogo Jota, right? Puts the ball across, no one's there. Shout out to Connor Bradley Conroy. Again, maybe we will speak on Conor Bradley, actually, who actually I'm going to put in the man of the match poll. Guys in the chat, people in the chat, can you tell me who to put three or four players in the poll before we get voted very quickly? Um, the ball comes across, and, and you know, Diogo Jota, we often criticise about his lack of techers and technique and ball control sometimes. He totally misses the ball. But guess who's the first one to react to know exactly what to do? Even though it's a slide finish, that is so Diogo Jota, Conroy. It's, that is that him down to a T. No, it's, it's funny, Chris. I thought the exact same mm. because when it happens, the defenders, obviously, to be fair, it's an unusual situation. You all guys would see that when it springs up. You're not sure where the ball is, but he just seems to be so switched on. He just seems to think so clearly on the pitch compared to other people that mm. I'm not sure everyone could do that. And I know that sounds daft, but what I mean is, Sometimes people will miscue a shot. You see it a lot with strikers and they just not know where the ball is, but he just seems to be so on it and well, so calm in those situations. He does, doesn't, doesn't panic. Part, they might panic, yeah. He's at the best way and not to keep going on about Jota, but I heard that earlier and I was watching a few videos on this about another subject. Diogo Jota, Diogo Jota is composure. He is the definition of composure in front of goal. He's just a composed player. I think some players have it, some players don't. I don't even think you can teach it, to be perfectly honest. Um, especially not into this this age of professionalism of football. I just think he has got that. He's just so composed in those situations. And he's just, yeah, I think he's um, fantastic. I also do think that 
you as a fan feel more comfortable when, as Evan just mentioned, when he gets in front of goal, you just feel that he's he's our better. You said Grizz as well. I think it was not as Evan said in a, a European final. You just feel so comfortable when he gets a chance, and you're just not surprised anymore. A bit like not to the same level we normalised Trent. I really think this season, finishing wise, and I said it, I said it after the Burnley game to you, everyone in the chat. He is our best finisher by a country mile. I don't care what anyone says. I think that injury and when he came back probably alters his conversion rate a little bit unfairly because getting minutes coming off the bench, not really fully back to 100%. But I think on his day, 100%, he is the best finisher by a country mile. He doesn't need four or five chances a game. He only needs one. I think Burnley was a perfect example of that. Our, we could not finish our dinner that day. He comes on, the hardest chance, puts it through Trafford's legs, and we win the game, sorted. He's just he's just different, in my opinion. But yeah, composure for Jota. And that's it's an excellent goal. And... 2-0 probably, we probably all thought that's the game finished, but 3-0 definitely, especially, you know there's going to be a bit of stoppage time in these games now, There's there's a everyone's got five subs as well, so you just want to kill the game, and I think it was it made it a professional performance, and yeah, it was it was excellent, and it might be one of the strangest goals you'll ever see as well, because I don't know if you'll see a goal like that for a long time, because usually when someone miscues it, it goes up there, it goes behind them, yeah, it's as you say, though, Grizz, just actually, on. I love the team spirit and I love the camaraderie and I love the banter. Did you guys yeah. see the post? Yeah, because Bradley was asking if he, if he got a assist. Now, I mean, if anyone knows anything, you obviously get assist because if someone took 500 touches after you passed them and scored, you get the assist. But it was quite funny love, how, yeah. I love Jota's answer to him. He goes, uh, so, they gave, so they said, look, we'd love to give it to you, Connor, for man of the match, but it was Diogo. Would you like to give it to him? And he oh, gives right, it to yeah. him. Well, and then Jota says, better than your assist. <laughs> so they love the little, I love that little banter. But Keith, uh, to finish it off, to make it full, um, you know, it's uh, it's the man that apparently... So everyone's talking about Trent wearing the Predators. Everyone's talking about Nunes wearing the new Predators. And obviously he gets two goals. Apparently Joe Gomez donned the Predators as well. And it's showing in his game. Because he was bopping out there as well. And he ends up with another assist. Because that's quite a peach of a cross to Darwin Nunes. And again, Darwin Nunes applying the right finish at the right time. Could this be the turning point of the season for Darwin Nunes and simplicity? Keith? Do you know what? Maybe Darwin Nunes just likes playing at Bournemouth Stadium. Maybe the Vitality Stadium. You know, some players just have a ground that they like to go to. That's three goals this season in two different competitions for Nunes. So maybe he likes the South Coast Storms um, and, and it brings the best out of him. Um, the thing is, is, is I, I love Darwin Nunes. I just love everything about him. Like when he's on the pitch, he frustrates the life out of me, but he every everything that happens, he is involved in in some way, shape, or form this season with Liverpool. You know what I mean? Like you can't you can't track pre-assist, you can't track a lot of things, but you know, he's just involved. He's you know, and, and he really makes defenders think. And I will say this, uh, uh, Conroy said the best thing, and this is why I'll always think we're always gonna have our the good, the great, and we're always gonna have the 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 frustration is there's very few footballers uh, forwards in world football that have the composure necessary to do what someone like Diogo Jota does. Unfortunately, Darwin Nunes is not one of those players. Darwin Nunes is going through one-on-one with the goalkeeper. 
Nine times out of ten, he's going to lever it. And, you know, he might have a situation like Newcastle where it's going to go bottom corner, but most likely it's going to hit the goal. He's going to sh- uh, hit it straight at the goalkeeper. He's not the most composed player in the world, but what he is, is he is, again, as I said it before and I say it again, his movement is elite. And when you play the ball, when you play it early or you catch or you catch him as he's going, the okay, here's my thing with Nunes. Um, uh, uh, as long as uh, the least amount of time he needs to make a decision, the better, right? Give that ball to him as he's moving and he doesn't have to think, he just puts his foot. Both goals today, he doesn't think about it. It's that one pass, it's that one cross in, he's made the movement. They're both one-touch finishes, right? Both both one-touch finishes, finishes. yeah. Yeah. That's him. Don't let him think, yeah? When he's making that move... Don't let me think. Look at his finishes this season. Uh, the one who was it? The one against West Ham, for example, when McAllister puts it over. He doesn't think. He just ru- runs, makes the movement, and it's boom, goal. Don't let him think. And that ball, because Joe Gomez, I saw Klopp in the post match. He was like, they're debating whether he meant the cross or whether he hoofed it. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what apparently they're talking about in the cage room. Like, did he mean it? I thought it was a brilliant cross. I mean, Please keep those predators on if you're going to put balls like that in. But again, Nunes is surrounded by three defenders. He has no right to get that ball. He has no right to be on side for, for, for what is worth, right? But again, he knows that that ball's coming. He makes that decisive movement. And again, like I say, he doesn't have to think about it. He just puts his foot on it and the rest is history. And so, yeah, this is my summary of Nunes. If you see him moving, lads, on the pitch, get that ball to him as quickly as possible. Preferably when he's in the box. ASAP, when he's in as close to the box as possible, and don't <clears> let him think, he'll score plenty. Get, get a, team meet, a team meeting to every player to say, when Fountain is, don't let him think. Right? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> this we should get that printed on merch. <laughs> if that's the best thing I've heard. Because there's a lot of sense in that. There's a lot of sense in that. What a, what a point. But, but there has been strikers like that. If we... If we if we go through history, there are strikers, yeah. right? That we, we, you know, we say that, you know, they were instinctive finishers. Don't let them think. And Zagi comes to mind. Such elite movement would miss so many chances. But which other striker has like three or four chances every single game? And Nunes is like that. Like guys, we all watch Liverpool. We all watch Nunes. He has three, four chances every game. Why does he have three, four chances every game then? Kev, we're not like we're not joking when we says this. He has a chance to score at least a goal every single game. Not many forwards and strikers can say that, right? Yeah, I think it's to do with what Keith says. He has elite movement um, in the box, and that's where he gets the opportunities. He's also um, his attitude has been bang on since he's been yeah, here. Brilliant. He works so hard despite brilliant. all the criticism. He's never slouched. He's never gave up. He never he never gives up on a on anybody. Say apart from the one the other week where he could have probably tapped it in, but you'll forget about that. But he, he's he's up for the fight every single game. Whenever clock calls on him, despite the criticism he's under, despite the chance. I mean, Bournemouth crowd were on it all day today with the Carroll chant and stuff. It does not affect him. He just continues well, to play. Well, he probably doesn't even understand. Yeah. Well, he probably doesn't even know who Carroll is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. no, there is no way he knows Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't sulk. He doesn't give up. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't. You know. He doesn't walk around moaning. He doesn't stand still. He constantly works. And when you work, you reap the rewards. Just look at Joe Gomez, who we talk about with the assists. Just one thing, just to add to the Nunes point, which I want to say, and 
And I know it's been mentioned before, but I think it should be really highlighted is his fitness, right? Oh, yeah. His fitness is incredible. <laughs> and when we talk about Liverpool and we talk about Jurgen Klopp and we talk about pressing and counter-pressing, you've got to be fit. Sadio Mane and, and, and Mo Salah, right? We've, we've been blessed to have two blokes in there that are absolute machines when it comes to looking after their bodies and their fitness, right? And that's enabled us to perfect this system of, of, um, of pressing and counter-pressing. You've now got another man in Nunes that matches them for fitness, I would say. Maybe not for quality, but for fitness, certainly, to be able to do that pressing and that work hard and that relentlessness, right? So he'll, re re he'll reap the rewards from that. But... Klopp said something interesting in his post-match uh, press conference when they and they were discussing um, injuries. But what he what he touched upon was that he said none of the sports scientists can tell me at one hundred percent what to do at the moment. But I, I'm sort of paraphrasing a little bit. But he said we're trying to manage players as best we can. But it's not as if we've been in this situation before to know exactly what to do. And and it's interesting he says that because you've got so many injuries and we've had injuries. Don't get me wrong, but we've got 13 at the minute, and that's a lot to deal with, right? We've also got new players in this squad that we're learning about. Still, we're learning how they cope with the demands of, of playing for Liverpool and the league, right? Somebody like Sabozalai, for example, McAllister's been here a little bit, but they've got to get used to our system and our training regimes. We also had the World Cup last year, and it was always mentioned that players were going to feel the effects of a mid of a winter World Cup. So. We, we don't want to date too far back with this stuff, but you do have to go back to, to the season we've just had, the summers people have had, if they've, they've played international football or not, and the, and the season they had last season with the Winter World Cup in there, and think, how were they recovering? Because players aren't getting much recovery now. you know. And to have players at the minute that have fitness, that are fit, and they can cope with all the dem these demands, they will put you in good stead for the future because when we think about um, the Champions League being extended and the more games you're going to play there, the, the want for a World Cup every two years. And, and the football is, footballers are playing more and more games, you know, season after season. And that looks like it's going to continue on that trend. To have men that can cope with the demand, right, is exceptional when you're competing for all the, honor, the, the major honours. And Nunes is there often for 90 minutes and often effective at the very end. And that is a real credit to him because we can often focus on the finishing. We can focus at what he's not good at, right? And he's, he's what, 24, 25, he'll still improve in a lot of respects. But he has the foundation to be a brilliant player because his attitude's right and his fitness is, is insane. And you compare him to the guy at the other end of the park today in Solanke, who's getting a lot of credit this season for, for how good he's been and he's been in good form. He did nothing today. He did nothing. And, and it, you know, he was given the same opportunity, almost 90 minutes of football at his home stadium. And Nunes played his part in, well, he got two goals and played his part certainly in the other two. So, you know, I just I just think sometimes when we apply context to the play, you can see why Klopp and the coaches sit back and go, do you know what? When we look at this team, what he offers at the minute, we look at the demands that's going to be put on footballers and how it's going to increase in the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to stick with this guy because he'll only get better where others drop off. And I just think he deserves plaudits today. He deserves plaudits because he's become under such scrutiny and such criticism that the praise has got to be just as loud, in my opinion. And I think he was brilliant today. Maybe not so much in the first half, but certainly for just the willingness, the fight, and to get the goals to, to add to it all. When we've got injuries, we've got the main man missing in Mo Salah. He stepped up. So we need to remember this game. We need to praise him. And next time we criticise him, let's apply context and let's use this game 
to support the argument to support the man, I think. I, I guess segues into the super chat uh, perfectly timed. You mentioned the two players. Um, Ev, uh, super chat from Tariq, who says, Big up, lads. Just an opinion. I love that. I love people who speak in just opinions and not facts and sort of says, This is the definitive opinion and fact. So, big up, Tariq. Is it just an opinion? <laughs> in case you guys don't come for me. He says, Nunes will never be the elite number nine that Liverpool deserves, but he might be the best replacement for Mo. And then he puts in a question mark as a winger. I mean, I know I asked Cav, I asked you, where you are, where will he end up? Do we need a mole replacement? Or is Darwin Nunes going to be the output merchant or even remotely close? I I disagree with the first part of the statement. I, I think Nunez will be an elite number nine for Liverpool. Um you know, I, we're seeing signs that show that that could easily be the case. Um, I, I do agree that he will see sort of like an uptick in numbers if and when Mo moves on. There is no replacing Mohamed Salah. You, you don't do that. You don't try to sign the closest thing to him. If, you know, let's say hypothetically he leaves next summer and try to you know, just take the however many hundreds of million and just throw it at someone else. You, you you try to recreate him in the aggregate, which is the core of the money ball philosophy. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, in that situation, what Liverpool would end up doing is they'd get, you know, some young winger, um, you know, left-footed winger, play him off the right. And then everybody else, I think, would sort of, make up for Mo's numbers. You know, Darwin would score an extra five to eight goals a season. Jolta would do the same. Gakpo would do the same. Diaz would do the same. It, it would sort of just be spread around because, you know, the, the, the output has to go somewhere. We're not going to stop creating chances. Um, I don't like Darwin Nunez as a winger. Um, I think in a perfect world, it doesn't matter where anybody in the front three is playing because ideally we're fluid enough that people are sort of just, you know, you know, building on the relation relationism tactics that are popular right now in South America. I, I you know, Sadio Mane is a good example of that. He's Liverpool's left winger, starting left winger de facto by trade, but he scored so many goals from central areas in the, in the six yard box. Um, so ideally we can be, as fluid as possible, but you're not going to be very fluid every game. I prefer Darwin as a central player. Um, I prefer him as the focal point. I'm not a huge fan of his uh, sort of a bag of tricks cutting in from the left-hand side. I don't think he's really like an inverted winger type player. He can be effective in certain ways, like he always is, but it, I, I just think his game is more suited to a central role. Um, but but I, I I do agree that it'll sort of be spread around if and when Mo moves. Uh, I don't think you ever really quote unquote replace him, so to speak. He did. He, the funny thing is, just to add to the point, whilst I agree with you, Evan Salah did an interview or post match just before he went off to Afcon, and he said uh, he said, "How do you think Liverpool will cope without you and stuff?" And he said, "Well, the players are." I'm paraphrasing again, sorry. The players are there. He said they just they you know they'll get into the positions. They just need to they just need to take the chances. And you've seen that today with Jota playing. You know, his two chances come in a Mo Salah kind of position, as in on the right side of the 18 yard box, inside forward position. You know, and Salah said it himself. This team will be all right. There is quality. The chances will be there. 
it's just whether they take on the players are good enough, you know, and, and you've seen it today. Now, but I do go back, I do agree with you, Evan. I think over a long period of time, you definitely can't replace what Salah gives you in terms of the numbers. But it does bring it back to the point that, you know, there is a Liverpool team that can score goals without Salah. So that's Guys, a positive. Um, still over 400, you magnificent support. Let's get to 250 likes. That's quite a brilliant ratio. Kev, I've put something in the private chat. If you could find that table for me and then I'm going to try to work out how many points. I'm going to get a, an opinion on you guys later on near the end of the show. But Conroy, um, we've praised the midfield. McAllister, probably, no, definitely his best performance, I'd say. I mean, that was a World Cup winning. I am World Cup winner amongst good players. I'm the outstanding one and he showed that levels. We've discussed Diogo and Nunes. Um, but I want to bring back, there was a comment I starred for the reason. Um, X, the mix, X the Mystic says no centre-back in this window means we know who we are getting this summer. Do we? DM me, lad, if you know. Bit of intel there. Um, but we could use a loner. Means a loney, right? So, Konate going down was terrifying. Um, so, just going on from that, we praised the midfield. We praised up front. But my God, we've kept another clean sheet at a tough away game. And I thought Konate and Virgil van Dijk yet again showed, in my humble opinion, they're probably the best centre-back pairing in Europe right now. Definitely up there. But you know what, Grizz? I'm, as I previously mentioned, they're maybe not getting the hype they deserve, but I don't really care, to be honest. I've noticed what that hype does to certain players and, and they don't... Sorry, Conroy. So, so sorry, so sorry. Sorry, so sorry. Very quickly, guys, kept that voting going. It's quite close. I thought, you know, I knew it was going to be close, but the voting's very close for player, man of the match. So get voting in that as well. Sorry, Con. Yeah, no, no. Just to say, like, obviously, the the Arsenal Liverpool game came up recently, and there was a lot of chat about Saliba, um, Gabriel, and Kanate and Van Dijk. But we're probably on the the quieter side of that comparison. Um, but I'm quite happy with that, to be perfectly honest, because I think it's allowing, especially Kanate, to thrive at the moment. And I think if you if you actually understand football when you're watching it, you can see this guy is absolute monster. But he's also improving certain aspects of his game as well. And he's still so young. I feel like Van Dyke again. I previously mentioned it today. It's like his one misjudgment against Fulham, and they're like, oh, "This guy, what a terrible season!" Even though he's probably he has been the best centre back. Saliba's been class, not disputing that. But Van Dyke is like just superb. He's just different when he's on that that performance level. So. Yeah, again, another clean sheet, bringing that confidence, that security in the, in the back line. So I think on that basis, I'd say they're definitely up there. For me, I think they're quietly probably are that one. But it, it's probably it's probably not you know glamorous to say that, Grizz. I think when you see it, a lot of the media, it maybe doesn't kind of fit the narrative as well when you see other, other partnerships, like specifically Saliba and Gabriel. But on the, the comment regarding getting someone in the summer, I'd like to know who, who he's referring to. But I was thinking about this the other day. You've got Kwanzaa, who's been very impressive um, when he's came on uh, and when he's played certain games. He looks like he could definitely fill the fourth centre-back position. I think, to be fair, Joe Gomez in the comments, to be fair, they've been saying this all day, he's really had a bit of a, a redemption arc this oh, yeah. year at full-back. But I think he can still... What do you guys think? Do you think you can still be considered a centre-back? That's the thing we're not sure of because it's like Joe's doing really well. He has done really well, even being at right-back and assist today. But maybe that's where he needs to be in the future. And maybe it's 
we have to look at getting a centre-back in who's the third choice and Joe Gomez is, is your last choice if he needs to go there. Maybe okay. that's 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 okay. what we're going for. Because I feel like what happens is Gomez will say this and he looks like such an athlete and he, he is such an athlete and you think, this guy is secure and he'll have a rick and then it'll just like, his head will go and he has improved so much this season. So I I'm, I'm, I'm agree with you, Grizz. For me, I think he is the, the last centre-back you go to and he just continues being the fullback starting or covering for me. But Grace. I don't know who the guy's referring to, though, for transfer. I've not well, got a clue. We, 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 let us know, uh, ex-mystical, whatever your name was. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, very quickly, Keith, and we'll go around. I don't want Joe Gomez to be moved. He's, in my opinion, guys, he's probably, no, he's definitely playing the best football of his career since that season where, you know, he was with alongside Virgil in the centre-back area. I have never seen a more comfortable, confident Joe Gomez and enjoying his football. He's playing left back. He's playing right back. He's playing inverted midfield, cutting in and striking shots that are going narrowly wide. It's a matter of time before he scores a stunning opening goal. I want Joe Gomez, this Joe Gomez, I don't want him to be suddenly thrusted into centre-back. We've got Kwanzaa, we've got Konate, we've got Virgil. Hopefully we dip in the market for another centre-back. Looks like Matip may be given a, a year extension in terms of to recover with his injury and utilised if needed. That's okay. I'm very okay with that. We've got Joe yeah. Gomez to a level we need to just embrace and enjoy. We need to protect him as well. Like To be perfectly honest, we really need to protect him. Like, I love this renaissance. Um, I think Joe Gomez is just the defender for Liverpool Football Club. Do you know what I mean? Like, when, whenever, and we're going to need him to play in all positions. Like, right now, we need him at left back. We're going to need him at right back. There is going to be a time we're going to need him at centre back. Um, you know, we are going to need him in all these positions, but at the same time, we are going to need to give him a bit of a, a, a rest at times. He is going to need to have time to sit, sit out on the team. But he's going to get that with the returning gonna, fullbacks. So, yeah, with the returning fullbacks. And that's what we yeah. need to with, with him and reassess. Then we go into the next season because my just kind of like my worry, my gut feel is just the, the level, the severity of the injuries that he's had over his career is stuff that like you just want to almost wrap him up and just make sure that we don't overuse him at, at, at this stage. So when in terms of what the, the, the comment said about a centre-back, I'm more than happy for Liverpool to wait for a centre-back in the summer. It is going to have to be a position, I think, that Liverpool are going to have to make a, a, a wise decision. It's not going to be a decision that they're going to make in January. It's not going to be someone that you're going to find on loan that you're going to bring in because like, what's the point at the end of the day? Are you going to find a, a loan option that's going to be better than Nat Phillips at the end of the day? Like Nat Phillips might have to come in and play a game or two. It's not the end of the world, right? Do you know what I mean? If he has to play uh, alongside Virgil. Well, I mean, but I mean, what I'm trying to say is that like, unless you are confident that the, the that your number one centre-back target, like, uh, like what happened when we waited for Konate, is available in January, which he's not, by the way, I think it's it's worth the wait, particularly with Konza and, and, and the way he's been playing. I think Konza allowed, like, for example, I can see Konza coming in for the Craven Cottage game um, uh, next week. I think he comes in. I think he's probably going to give Kanate so. a rest. And so we've got that rotation there. So, you know, I don't think that we need a loan coming into this. I think I think we've got suitable amounts of, of options. Um, and, yeah, I, I, you know, shout out to Joe Gomez. I mean, I love the Renaissance. I love it, and I just pray that we get to see him for many more years. The guy's only, what, 26, 27 years old? I mean, like, he can still have a peak run. I mean, it is very much... I mean, Virgil van Dijk had his peak run. I think he came to Liverpool at, like, 28. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know... Yeah. So, 
So it's like Joe Gomez can have his his real real time and and or he's he could be the ultimate utility guy. Either or he's going to play a lot of football in this Liverpool team because we always get injuries. Uh, guys, I wanted to to touch upon where we go next in terms of okay. So immediately we go next to Fulham, a chance to reach uh, uh, the final of the uh, of the League Cup. Um, I guess you know it's important for momentum, for squad, for the amount of young players that we've got, amount of new players that we've got to get into this culture of winning. Um, we, do we expect a few changes, Cav? Would you make a few changes very quickly before we get on to back on track in terms of the league? Because I want to I wanna get the league campaign and what we need, thoughts and opinions. But, okay, League Cup, huge, big. You're on mute. Apologies. Yeah, uh, we've got to take it um, as seriously as possible. Put out the strongest team as possible for me. Um, we've got a narrow lead. Fulham are at home. Craven Cottage isn't the most hostile ground, but this is the furthest they've got or the closest they've got to um, to, to a cup final. They've got players in, you know, Willian and and um, Jimenez and stuff that can hurt you on any given day. We've seen that by the goal they scored um, at Anfield. So, Take it seriously, get to a final and and go on and win the earliest cup you can in the season. So I would um, stick with the strongest lineup possibly. Maybe make a couple of changes. Gakpo would warrant a start. That would be perfectly fine. Um, Graven Birch, I think recent substitution performances have looked a little bit better. I think Curtis Jones coming off suggests, and we were spoken about in terms of maybe a little bit of a feeling in the back of his Absolutely. Hands. So that kind of makes the call for him, right? Yeah, yeah, of, that's it. In terms that's of yeah, and then Kwanzaa deserves his chance. I mean, you talk about Ibo and how brilliant he was today, and he was exceptional. Um, but um, Kwanzaa's been been good and, and took his chance as well and deserves um, some minutes as well. So why not rotate and, and give him that? Um, and then plus the next game after that is Norwich in the FA Cup at home um, on the Sunday. You'd like to think we'd get through that game with relative ease. So you might as well go strong in, in the full-on game for me and just... Um, yeah, like I say, get reached that final, which at the minute doesn't look like it's going to be Chelsea unless they turn it around. So that's a great opportunity to get some silverware. And and I know it's probably the least um, important trophy for us to win out the ones that we're in, but it's so crucial to get a trophy over the line, especially when we consider this to be quite a new team and new players. And and um, and for some for this squad to win something together just breeds that winning. It breeds that success. It takes you from a nearly team to one that actually ends up lifting trophies. And that's systemic, you know. So you, you want that day and you want you want that win. Um, people are still saying the volume on my mic is so low. I'll get it fixed before the next show. I don't know. I'll have to get uh, the, te the tech whiz kids to have a look at it because I just put it on and if the light's flashing, fuck, it means it's working. Um, but yeah, I'll have a... I'll, have, I'll get some tech whiz kids to have a look. Um, guys, I want to bring up the... I want to bring up the table. I can't. I can't do it anymore. Um, call it... the Call it wishing us... I don't know. Jinxing Ooh. it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, Ooh indeed. Ooh, indeed. Um, <laughs> Con, where are we at? Okay, where are we at? We are there. Right? We are there. We Look are five points gets. clear, wow. with a game in hand. With a game in, uh, sorry, with a game played more than 
the main, main rivals, Man City. Arsenal aren't out of it, regardless of what people say. They're not out of it. Um, 21 games played, 48 points. Um, how much will we need? How much will any team need, guys? And chat, let me know as well what you guys think. How many points needed to win the league this season, guys? And the mathematicians, please feel free to start doing the maths. We have 17 games left. How many wins will it take now? Because the countdown has to begin, I believe, Conway. Yeah, so Cav's actually put some stuff in the chat to give us a little helping hand in the private chat. So thanks for that, Cav. Okay. <laughs> Do you want me to explain it? I don't know if I put it. No, no I, I got that. I, I got okay. that. Um, but I'll let you explain it to Grez and Keith because obviously me and you are on it, so it's fine. But yeah. I'll let you yeah. explain yeah. it to them. Yeah. We're yeah. them whiskey. Yeah. You know them whiskeys yeah. that Grizz refers to? That's me and you, Conway. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh you got me. You got me. <laughs> um. Yeah, I crunched the numbers very simplistically and, and there'll be a lot of ways of looking at this, but I just took the average points per game that we're taking and Man City are taking. So mm. Man City, if you divide their 33 total points by their 20 games played, averages uh, 2.15 points per game. We know that's not realistic, but for averages, right? So that would get them, if they carried on at that rate, 81 mm. points by the end of the season, right? We expect them to improve on that, I would say. Um, Liverpool is averaging about 2.28 points per game, which would get us 86 points. So if you looked at it, continuing the trajectory that we're on and the points per game that we're getting and the wins we're getting and what have you, Liverpool reaching mid-80s, 86 points, would probably win them the title at this stage if everything remained equal, which to get to that point total where we find ourselves at the minute is 12 more wins, assuming you lost all the other remaining games. So... We expect Man City to improve. We expect Man City to have a better, uh, better result. What are you doing? Uh, what are you better doing? results okay. uh, for their remaining games than their prior. Okay. But um, if if they played, if they got the same results as they've been getting all, up to this point this season, mid eighties looks like it would win you the league. And you know what? I, and, and it's so interesting. You did the averages. I was looking at this last like five seasons, um, the, the, and and City. Oh, you done research as well? Yeah, yeah, I've done research so as I'm well. The, so I'm, I'm, looked... the, I'm the dumb kid here only. Okay, Sorry, so you... you guys know what you? Okay, no problem. Uh, so I, I looked at it. I, I like the '86 shout, and I, the the reason why I was I was looking back on it, and the the league winners uh, in 2021 and 22-23, uh, which was Man City on both lost around like five games. They lost five games in last season and they lost six games the season before. And if we're looking at the league table at the moment, um, arguably, yeah, it's going down that trajectory, right? City have already lost three games. Arsenal have lost four games. Aston Villa have lost four games. The issue that Liverpool have at the moment, the biggest thing that's a glaring thing at the moment is the draws. Right. We have got six draws already, right? I think only Brighton... And Palace, I think Palace have the same amount. I think only Brighton have more draws than us. Even though we've only lost one game, we do draw. We like we've, we've kind of moved away from the draws a little bit. But that's my only slight concern because the, when City did win the league and they lost five games, they only drew five five times, or they or they drew or won six times. So what another thing that Cav, it's really interesting him saying this is yeah, it took about what we're saying here twelve wins. We're saying twenty three wins. 
I reckon it will be about, yeah, 23 to 26 victories this season will win you the league. It's not going to be a 99-point season. Absolutely not. I think it's way too the, the way too well, what's competitive. The maximum, the what's the maximum us and Man City can get? Can someone let me know if these are two, these lot are slow? What's the we, we can we can get ninety nine still. If 99. we won the seventeen remaining games, we would get ninety nine. Well, that's, that's, that's that easy, Cav. Just win the seventeen games. Job done. <laughs> yeah, that's your answer. That's your answer. Look, guys, guys. Chuck your calculators away. Just won seventeen no, but, games. Let's try to let's try to be as we always try to be on this channel. Not mm. delusional. Not overreactionary. <laughs> let's try to be realistic, right? Now, Cav's opening algebra suggested <laughs> right <laughs> you know simplistic to me it's algebra right <laughs> you worked out that we potentially if we continue the, at the rate of points gathering that we're doing we end up with 86 mm -hmm. what do city to end up with if they continue at their rate 81 81 so but, but that's not that's avoid... not recent that's not like you know if you take City's last couple of seasons because they finished much better though so like that's, that's what I was about to say. they're yeah. going to be better than that that's what i'm about to say so we have to stop a five-way swing in expect expected points or continuation of expected points mm -hmm. if we're if we're saying 86 points right that means 11 more wins is that what you said 12 12 more, 12 wins. more wins 12 more wins out of 17 games Conroy. where are you where are you with that I just, I just have, I'm more to the, I think in the chat, someone said 88 to 90. I feel that way because I just feel that when City get going and it's not just De Bruyne because they've all, they have the whole full, full team's been playing pretty well and they do end seasons. Let's not, when they get behind someone, they can't, you know, put the gas on. And I think we need to expect that to at least a certain level, not, maybe not the insane levels that both of us have went to, but I just, I just feel like they will do that. So for me, I'm going to be more 88 to 90 points. I'd say 90 points. I think okay. if you can get to that, you'll win a league. That's how many what I win, think. How many wins is that? So that'd be what, two more wins? What, what, two wins and a draw? If you said 86, is that well, right? Forget the draws for now. So that'd be 14 wins. 14 wins. 14 wins, yeah. So 14 wins out of 17. 25 wins. Keith, stop confusing yeah. us. 14 wins. <laughs> <14, laughs> 29 wins. You're saying 29 victories, basically. No, stop going back to the ones we've already got. We're talking about 17 games left, 14 wins out of the 17 games left. Okay. Yeah, simplest. <clears throat> keeps, keeps at, we've got 25 more games left. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I what we've already done. Sorry, sorry. What, oh, here's a question, though. Here is the question of all questions, though. What happens if Liverpool do not win the league by one point? And their only defeat of that season is Tottenham. No, we don't want to do that. Oh, you took what, it what, what, what I would just add, though, guys, see the way the fixtures are lying this year. I'd said this earlier. I think the way they're lying, it's like we've got Chelsea in the league next. It's Chelsea at home, then Arsenal away. And then we, the, the, us getting something that Eddie had, as we said, you know, laying a glove on City could be massive because obviously we were playing them at Anfield. And I think we will be confident we can win that game or at least draw off them that will stop them winning, obviously. So I think the way the fixtures are landing for that this year, I think if we can get through Chelsea at home and Arsenal away, Huge. that's massive because we all respect City. Let's not be silly. When it comes to football and City are at it, if we had to play in the Etihad in that running, I'd be a little bit, 
you know, that could knock her confidence. I think the fans at Anfield can really, really make that a huge game. So these next two, I know we keep saying that these games are massive, but I think just the way the fixtures have, have uh, failed this year, we could be in an unbelievable position in a month's time. Mm. Not to get everyone so excited. <laughs> no, no, I think it's time to get excited, honestly. Whether mm. we win it or don't, we know we've we've laid out the bare stats and facts for you guys. 14 wins pretty much ensures us the league. Now, that's a tall task and a tall order out of the remaining 17 games. But looking at the fixtures, Cav, and we, without getting too ahead of ourselves, but getting ahead of ourselves, if you know what I mean, mm. Arsenal away is massive and pivotal. Mm -hmm. Where else is the games that you are forecasting that's remaining that are massive and pivotal in that aspect? Because we've done quite a few of these teams away. I know we've got Aston Villa, second last game of the season away. Right. I'd want the title wrapped up before we go to Aston Villa away. Well, just to add to that, Spurs at home before that. But yeah, I'm, I'm and we have a tendency. We have a yeah, we have a tendency to sort of draw with Spurs as well. Um, yeah. To be honest, I I just think I don't think we can look too far ahead. I think Conor was right. Okay. I think if we get past Chelsea at home, you know, as bad as Chelsea have been at times for yeah. a long time, um, we all seem to draw with Chelsea. It's a Wednesday night um, late kickoff as well. It'll feel probably a bit like a cup tie. So that means probably Come a draw. On. Come yeah. on. No, <laughs> um, we need to do that. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, oh, Arsenal, oh, Arsenal away. Oh, God. I is, don't um, like that one. Arsenal away is obviously going to be tough. I just think if we get through them, we've got some favourable fixtures after that going into the Man City game. I think if you go into that Man City game ahead of them, and hopefully with more than three points ahead of them as well, so just despite losing, you still remain ahead. I think that would be a fantastic position to be in and then you go on from there. And I think then you really see Anfield start to ramp up. You'll start to see the chants going and then we grow and we grow and we grow. And just to add to your excitement, I've seen it a few times in the chat, you know, Man City will improve. They've got KDB back now and they've got Haaland coming back and um, they'll improve, no doubt. Of course they will. But you said at the start of, of, uh, of this show that Liverpool have got 13 first team players out you know we can list them off and that would get you quite excited as well so um just the name of you Mo Salah Trent Robertson Endo Thiago Sabozalai you know this team's always got results this season it continued to get results today it will continue to improve because we have the best in the world coming back into this squad as well so it can do it it can do it I think Those I think just Wow. So, sorry, Keith, just to add in, I think see through our experience with Liverpool fans as well, sometimes what happens when you get in a situation, you're looking at, like, say, City, Arsenal, and you be, you look at the fixture, oh, they'll drop points there, they'll drop points there. But I think through our experience, we do not think like that because we know you're against a team who can just win that foot's down, they can win every game to the end of the season. And I think that's why it's so much focus on your own game. And I think more than ever, we feel that way because it's like, if you've got it in your hands, Forget about what they're going to do. Just assume they're going to win. And I feel like his fans, it's so funny. I'm looking at City's fixtures there and I'm like, I'm not even thinking about them dropping points because I just feel like you have to respect teams. When they do, when they do it, they can just go to a different level. But so can we. So if we just focus on that but game by true, game, as Cavs But it's true though, isn't it? Sorry, Keith, one last thing before you go. It's, it's so true though. You can focus on yourselves, but fucking hell, lads. Fine margins are what? We're a minute away from being 
five points clear without a game. No, sorry, seven points clear. We're, we're a minute away. Like, if Kevin De Bruyne doesn't find Oscar Bob in that last second against Newcastle, we're seven points clear, lads. Like, it's fine margins. They don't look amazing, amazing. Kevin De Bruyne is back. But I don't think he's close to 90 minutes worth of fitness. Yeah, I think he said 25, 30 minutes. I think that's what he actually came out and said. I yeah. can do it for 25, 30 minutes. But, Grace, you know, he's That's a trouble. <laughs> Yeah, I know, it's crazy. That, that pass is still ridiculous, like, genuinely. But see, the thing, we have to look at the positives as well, though, guys. We've scored the most late goals this season. I think it's crazy the amount of goals. Trent against Fulham, people forget that. That's the last kick of the game. We win 4-3, we're 4-3 we're, uh, we're, we're down going into the last five minutes. So we've we've had stories this season as well where it's small margins of we've, we've managed to pull it off. So I think, like... Whenever they do it, but we've got that. We've we've been we've done it the most of the season. I think is it eighteen times or whatever we scored in the last yeah record amount. But, so we've got that in our uh, artillery, as I said uh, last week as well. So let's not count ourselves out. But we can all enjoy football. But he's only got twenty five thirty minutes. So let's just hope some teams can just hold a low block for that time and just yeah, defend for their lives. I think the biggest compliment you can have at the moment for me, and, and it was interesting, Chris, you mentioned that Newcastle City game was Pep Guardiola's reaction. Pep Guardiola's reaction when they scored that goal and won that game against Newcastle told me that that man knows that Jurgen Klopp is back. And he knows deep down that this is going to be the proper title chase. This is the, is the, is the man that could scupper his plans of winning four in a row and making history. Now, let's not get it twisted. Man City are on course to make history here. So they are not, it's not like they're just playing for another title here. They're, they're playing for, to like cement himself. So they will be up for this, but he knows deep down that the only man that ever really has beaten him is Jurgen Klopp. And, 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 and that's a positive sign for us as fans. And as it currently stands, the reality of the situation is, and there's a long season still to go, but if, if Man City win their game in hand, which it's in our hands. It's in our hands right now. We're two points ahead of them in real time. Once City obviously win their game in hand, we are two points ahead of them. It is in our hands. What we do with that over the coming weeks is 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 in God's hands. I, I don't. I don't think it's like some people may be listening to us and non-Liverpool fans, or even some Liverpool fans may be thinking, "Yo, this is the first time we've tuned into Red Fellas, getting way ahead of themselves, getting giddy." We're, we're not getting giddy. We're five points clear. We have every yeah. right to be yeah. speaking from the point and, of view. And we ain't like that, Chris. We've had so many shows a season where we were quite like, we held it back. We were quite realistic. We weren't too reactionary. But I think, as I say, you're at the end of January now, guys. It's like, you need to start looking at the table now. This is, this is our fourth, this is Gian Klopp's fourth title hunt. Like, as well, you know, like give, I know we didn't win the others, but give credit where it's due. I mean, Klopp has been in this situation now. This is the fourth time, and he's been up against the man. And we're not—I'm not discounting Arsenal not. at all. But one thing that I will say, um, one thing that I think has held Arsenal back the most at this moment in times is simple: like you've already lost four games already, and this is where it becomes a bit of an issue. You can't lose games. You can't lose games at home to teams like West Ham. Like to be champions, in my opinion, to be league champions. Your home form must be formidable. You must never be beaten at home. You must never have a chink in your armour at home. And, and away forms can differ from time to time. So that's where I think Arsenal have slipped up slightly and, and allowed Liverpool to get the edge, if I'm honest. But they're still in it. Are they still in it, Kev, for you as well? 
Um, is it just a two-horse race? No, they, they are. They are still in it. But I, I will only ever look at Man City. Because despite Man City not playing well this season, and I'm sure their own fans would be disappointed as how they start the season, they're two points off the top. They'll still take that. You know, they we've already said it, they improve in the second half of the season as well, and they'll go on a long run. So I just think if you get if you finish ahead of Man City, you win this league. And I think I think it's only us that are capable of doing that. So not that I'm discounting Arsenal, they'll be there with thereabouts. I think they'll be within you know, five points, six points, seven points come the end. But I just, I don't think, I don't think they'll, um, they'll win it ahead of us. Whereas I think Man City, of course, of course, we've seen it before. They, they can. So um, yeah, I just think you finish ahead of Man City, you'll, you'll win this league. The lads always oh. remember top four is priority this season. Yeah, mm. yeah. The building. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after all that, after all that, top four. Keep if we don't win this league now. Right, uh, red fellas, last show of the season. I expect to see that smile right there because you'll yeah, be exactly. happy that we finished in the top four. Exactly. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I needed to, I needed to give us an out. Do you know what I mean? Because we, we'll get clipped up to high heaven. Going into like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, I'd listen, as I said, I don't think we've been over the top in terms of our forecasting, in terms of our looking ahead. We know, we know, Man City, 17 games, we know they're going to win 15. Let's just assume that, right? Is that a fair... Look, I don't think that's a fair assumption because I, th- I don't think they're that team and I think this league's much closer. But even if we gave them the benefit of 15 or 14 wins out of the last 17 games, it still gives us a bit of leeway according to the maths that Cavs thrown at us. It still gives us a bit of leeway to drop a few points in a few games. But I think that game at the Anfield Stadium... Yep. Is like... It's because they've got the know-how, Grizz, haven't they? We've got some players, but their their squad has just won a treble. You know, there's not been that. There's a few new faces. We've got yeah, our big characters you. need to step up. They need to step up, though. But we've got them as well. They can I was going to say, up. I absolutely hear you, Conroy. And seasons gone by, there would be no debate in terms of they've got the know-how and the players. But players like Mares, Gundogan, Sterling, mm. um, who else left? Gundogan was key last season key. towards the Mahrez end. Mahrez and Gundogan were there, Graven Birch and whoever comes off the bench for us. Gakpo. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, we've always got two players that come off the bench. Mm. Like if it's a Graven Birch or Gakpo when Mohamed's here, you know, Mohamed Salah, Nunes and Diaz starting or whoever the three are starting, we always have two wild cards that come off the bench. Mahrez and Gundogan were that for them. They haven't got the same in that sense and aspect. Um, so I think it's a fair, I think it's fair and logical to assume they won't be that Man City, which are totally just okay. It's January now. We win sixteen games out of seventeen. You know, I think. No, I think that's fair enough, Chris. The one thing I would say that Liverpool's mentality and the fans' mentality is the same when we go on a run in is draws are useless. Yeah. Like, yeah. And Man City are the same. Man City would rather lose, not rather, but they would go all out to win a game. Yeah. Instead of drawing it, and I mean all out, like leave one defender back, they will do that. But I think we have that mentality as well because we have learned the hard way that in a title run, it's just that mentality of when. Whoops. Is it me or have we lost Con? No, I think think it's Con. Mm. And he's right because when in twenty when we went for the quad, we drew eight times, eight. You know, we've drawn six already. I oh, know. 
Sorry, can you back, back now? Think. Yeah, no, that's that's what I was just going to say. I think I know what you're saying this season, Keith, but I felt like that that title run. I think we drew a lot of games, especially against the top six six rivals. I feel like we are hitting a bit of performance form now that I think we might be able to make up for that in those games when we finish the, the second half of the season. Like United at home was a draw. I feel like we can make up for that at Old Trafford. Maybe that's going against what I usually say. Arsenal away, really, we, we, I wasn't confident going into that game. I'm a bit more confident after the FA Cup win. I feel like there's certain things that we can take positives from. And I do think Grizz is right overall. It's not the same team, but they do have that mentality. But so do we. And I just think, as you said, see like Arsenal losing to West Ham at home 2-0 in a flat game. You can't have performances like that against Man City. They just, when they get going, they just don't stop. But as you said, thanks to the math, mathematicians of Cav there, and he's, he's crunched the numbers, We can there's a pathway that we can get ourselves in a great position before... Before the even the Villa game, which sounds it's not me being arrogant or anything like that, but I just feel like if we can, uh, what the chat have said, we've got results and we've seen a bit of performances now. If we can get the performances in with that, we can with this squad we can really push on. And I do think the semi final in the League Cup's important as well. Not to go all Mourinho on it, but Mourinho came to Chelsea, we lost three two in that final, and then they they went on to win the league that year. That Chelsea 0405 team, yeah, it was 0405. Getting this full squad with the new members a trophy, I think, can be huge for us to crack on. Mm. Do you know what? Just to add, I think that so far, this has been Klopp's best performance. Yes. And I, I think if he continues, as he has done for the remainder of the season, of course the players win you the league. But I would argue Klopp will win us this league. Whatever we win this season will be down to him because, as we've said, substitutions rotation, fitness, you know, um, managing games, in-game changes. He's been bang on this season. And we've seen Klopp before be the guy that's a great man manager. He's still got that, right? Created a system. He's done that again this season. But he's dragged us over the lines with a lot of things just by getting the crowd lifted, just by being shouting on the sideline, being enthusiastic, getting everybody fired up. That's still yet to come. At the minute, he's tinkering so well. And I just tactically think... Tactically been excellent. You're spot on. He has, he has, as long he has. as he remains tactically um, brilliant for the remainder of the season, when we really get down to that final few yards and he starts doing the, the fifth pumps will hit harder and he's raising his arms to Anfield and stuff and we start to get that momentum and that noise inside the crowd. I really think this guy is is having his best season the yet. And I think that's, that's what will win us this title. People, thank you very much for tuning in today. Hopefully you've enjoyed that as much as I have, as much as Conroy has, as Cav and Keith. And of course, um, Evan had to stop the bus. Uh, the conductor finally caught up with him. He hadn't paid for his ticket, um, so he got turfed off the bus. But big up Evan as well. Um, we've done a man of the match poll. Very quickly, not even honourable mentions. Conroy, man of the match. For me... Listen, Jota, just, just for the system, two goals, but Kanati was amazing, but Jota for me. Keith Cross? Yeah, I'm going with the Mac Daddy, Alex, Alexis McAllister. I thought from minute one to minute 90, uh, to, to, I think he played Where the full game. Minute, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Done every, Made sure that that game didn't turn into something of a mm. West uh, South Coast wind turbine, whatever word I want to use, affair. 
Shout out, Matt. Kev? Canate, uh, no doubt. Absolute beast. I love it. Absolute That beast. shows you that everyone is brilliant. Yeah, I love it. Um, the chat seems to think Jota, 43%. Um, Maka finished second with 38%. So it was very close out of them two. I could have given it to Ibu. I could have given it to Maka. I would have loved to give it to Maka. Nunez is a shout. Not mentioned in there. Jota was magnificent. I'm going to give it to young Connor Bradley. I just think he was magnificent. Energy, tenacity, kept a clean sheet, up against a very tricky winger in Sinistera, highly thought of. Started off a bit, or oh, he might terrorise, he might target him. Looked after him very nicely. Instead, dominated him on the outside near the end. Uh, I'm going to give it to Connor Bradley. You can give it to who you want. Everyone's a winner, baby, especially when Liverpool win. Redfellas is our winner. Don't forget our sponsors, our channel sponsors. Um, go and check them out. They're, they are. Go and check them out. Yourfutcard.com. Use the code REDFELLAS for all your banners, prints, flags, whatever you want made. Mention us, REDFELLAS. You get 15% off. They're top, top quality website. Go and check them out. Guys, smash the like if you haven't already. If you've forgotten, if you've been so engrossed in our insight, in our chat, and you forgot to hit the like button, here's your chance to do it now. We'll be back for a preview for the semi-final and then we will look forward to the post-match and then we go again next week oh fa cup oh another trophy that we need to target but we will be there we will be there take care people love peace tranquility welcome to the half space football show Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.